0: Um, we come to celebrate the coming of our King. We thank you that we can gather in various places um, around the world right now as people are lifting their hands in adoration, their voices in praise, as they are singing songs of Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, you have come. and We ask, Lord, this morning as we open your precious scriptures, as Pastor Wayne comes and shares of the good news of you and that we are not caught up in fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Sierra Bible Church family, out and about, sitting in front of computer screens and television screens. And uh, I hope you're all dressed. Hope you're bathed and shaved and ready to hear God's word this morning. We also want to welcome those who are visiting Sierra Bible Church this morning via the internet, via uh, YouTube, we, we welcome you all. Uh, my name is Pastor Wayne, if you haven't met me. I've hung around here for a while, I've been preaching from this podium and this platform for the last 29 years. And I can honestly say that it's a bit different this morning than it has been over those last 29 years, But we are so glad we have this technology that we can make this happen, that we can still gather together even though we're apart. This morning I came to a real realization that we are in this together as the body of Christ, not just here in Truckee but across our nation right now. One of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg at Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio. And at 6.45 this morning I tuned into their service And listen to Alistair and listen to their people sing. And at the end of the service, the camera panned back and the sanctuary in Parkside seats about 2,000 people. And it was empty. And there was Alistair and three people on a song team and a piano player. And that was it. And it just really hit me because Pastor Jesse and I have been, in the last few years, we've been in that sanctuary several times when it was packed to the max. And so to see that empty, I realized, you know, across the nation, the body of Christ has been brought together at this time of crisis, and we are gathering together separately, not just Sierra Bible Church, not just the churches in our community, but the churches across our nation. And I think there's a real solidarity there as we go through this crisis that has gripped our nation and go through it together. Those of you who are visitors today and checking us out from other states or part of our community or even from other countries, we invite you to check out our website. It's at sbctrucky.com, and if you go up there, you can see what our church is about, and you can also go down on the page and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Every Monday, a newsletter goes out telling you about the events that are happening at Sierra Bible Church. Now, this is the third week in a row that we have not been able to gather together in one room for worship. And we want you to know that the staff of Sierra Bible Church is praying for you. This morning, the elders gathered on a Zoom conference to pray for you. Uh, You may be out of sight, but I want you to know you are not out of our minds And feel free to call the office, feel free to uh, send up a prayer request if you have any to prayer at sbctruckey.com. and we want to know how we can continue to minister to you even though there's some distance between us. The other thing we're very thankful for at this time is your ongoing financial support of the ministry at Sierra Bible Church, Uh, as those of you who attend here regularly know that our at our doors coming into the sanctuary are two offering boxes. And the majority of our offering in the past has come through those offering boxes. Even though some uh, tithe checks are mailed in and others are given online, uh, there's still no crowd coming past those offering boxes. So those of you who are in the habit of giving through the offering boxes at Sierra Bible Church, we want to encourage you to keep on giving, either by mail or through the online platform that is found at sbctrucky.com. Also, when you're up on the website, check out our community groups. Our community groups are not meeting in the same rooms right now as they were, but they are, almost all of them I've heard from our community group leaders, are doing something online, either on Facebook Live or on Zoom or various platforms, and so you can still check into those meetings and be part of what is going on with the body here at Sierra Bible Church. Then I want to invite you to sign up for our live feeds. And you can go to Facebook or to YouTube to Sierra Bible Church Truckee. And you need to sign into these and then you can use them for our various live services. Because this isn't the only live service that is happening throughout the week. We've been... We've been uh, airing some devotionals and some singing, and I know Pastor Brad has done several live feeds, and, and you can get to these live if you are signed up on either Facebook or YouTube at sierrabiblechurch.com, and uh, we've got some services this week. This is the beginning of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, as has already been mentioned, and we had planned a Good Friday service where we were going to come together as the body and uh, remember the passion of our Lord on Good Friday. Well, that has changed, but we're still going to have a Good Friday service. It will be a live service online at Facebook or on YouTube, and it is going to be at 6 p.m. And it's going to be a little bit of a different format where Pastor Jesse and I are going to be sitting on this stage with Sarah Diro who does our, uh, I guess, our social media platforms for the church. And she's going to be fielding some questions to Pastor Jesse and myself about this time of the year, about the passion of Christ, about the crucifixion, about the resurrection, about what it is that Christ did. And so 6 p.m. on Friday evening, please join us. And then our Easter service next Sunday morning, Easter Sunday at 10 p.m. So, with that behind us, let's get into God's Word. And again, as it is our custom, would you stand with us this morning as we turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. One of the things that was interesting as I was studying this week, you know, not all the stories in the Gospels are in each one of the Gospels. But this is one that is in all of the Gospels. Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look at John's version of this this morning in John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So... was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look! The world has gone after him. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, this day we approach your throne In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Sovereign One who knows the end of all things from the beginning of all things. Therefore, this hour of crisis in which we are living was of no surprise to you. And in some way that we may not yet fully understand you will ultimately use it for your glory. Help us to understand more fully that our lives are hidden with Christ in sight of your divine plan. And that you, dear Jesus, Prince of Peace, are among us today with arms outstretched, compelling us to come to you with the following words. Come to me, you who are weary and weighed down, and I will give you rest. Holy Father, our ultimate prayer today is that you would make yourself known, and in doing so, extend the kingdom of your dear Son, in whose name we pray, amen. You may be seated. At the end of last Sunday's message, Pastor Jesse gave those who were watching a next step assignment. The assignment was to take up your Bible and do a word study of the word fear. Well, I followed his suggestion. And one thing I found out as I looked at the places that fear is mentioned in the Bible, that at least Fifty-eight times the Scriptures call us to fear not. In fact, fear not is central to our text this morning. Verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Sometimes to understand what's happening in these passages, we need some kind of an understanding of the ancient world. In that ancient world in which Jesus lived, the way a king approached a city spoke volumes as to his intention for that city. If a king came riding on a horse, he was bent on war. If he came riding on a donkey, he was coming in peace. On this particular day in history, of which we've just read, it was the king of all kings and the prince of peace who came riding into town on a donkey. John may as well have said to us by saying this, fear not. The intentions of this king are peaceful intentions. This passage that calls us to fear not and tells us of the coming king was a prophecy that came from the book of Zechariah, Zechariah 9.9 to be exact. And it says there, speaking of the day I just read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. This king of whom Zechariah spoke is righteous. This king is humble. This king is the author of salvation. And he comes in peace. And he is not just riding on a donkey, which was a symbol of a king coming in peace. He's riding on a donkey's colt, the foal of a donkey, or how about this, a baby donkey. Could a king's posture ever have been less threatening than the way this king approached Jerusalem. In both of their Gospels, Matthew and Luke spoke of a day that preceded this day, a day that Jesus was gazing over Jerusalem, and he said this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. I can't read this passage without being catapulted back to my childhood, where I was raised on the farm. Because this was a picture, that was a picture of my childhood. The chickens that ran around our yard and and the chicks that were hatched out. And you would see this mama chicken with, with her feathers all poofed out and her wings out. And, and under her would be her brood. And there they would be comforted. And there would be, they would be safe. And she would keep them in her care. And Jesus says to Jerusalem, that is how I have longed for you. I have longed for you. And these words expose the very heart of Jesus. He had come to comfort his people. He had come to protect his people. But the very ones that he had come to comfort and to protect would not receive it. The passage says, but you were not willing. As parents... There have been times that we have walked the floor in the wee hours of the morning with a crying baby, doing everything in our power to comfort that little one, and yet they would not be comforted. And that's why Jesus' words, but you are not willing, are so very telling to us today. The question would be for us, Are we willing to receive his comfort? Are we willing to receive his protection? Are we willing to receive his peace? There's a lot of fear hanging in the atmosphere around us today. And that fear has the potential To rob us of our peace and our joy and our hope. Like you, I too am longing for some kind of line to be drawn in the sand. You know, we can do this if we know that there's an end game. (laughs) But every day nobody's drawn that line yet. And so we look and it probably makes it worse every time we turn on our computer or we turn on our television. And there's more news of the COVID-19 virus that is in our nation and in our world. But I want you to know today, my dear friends, that God has called us again at least 58 times to fear not. And as is always so consistent with God, he never calls us to be anything or to do anything that he has not supplied everything that is needed to apprehend that which he wants to give. So if God would say, fear not, and then not give us a, a program, what kind of a loving father would that be? But he has given us a program. And sometimes I think the programs of God just look too simple for us say, that's it? Well, this morning, I want to let you know that the Bible gives us a remedy for fear. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. Hear the Apostle Paul. And the one thing you need to know about the Philippian church, the Philippian church was a church that was under persecution. It was not easy to be a Christian in Philippi. They weren't under the kind of persecution that they were being thrown to the lions or to the gladiator pits, but it was a persecution of ostracism, where the community had pulled back from them because they were different. It was an ostracism in the marketplace. It was an ostracism in the business place. It was an ostracism. And yet, Paul's words to the Philippians, this is the most joy-filled epistle Paul ever wrote and yet it is being written to a people who are suffering and who are under the gun, so to speak. And here's Paul's words to this people in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Now remember, here's his word to start off with. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. When has he called us to rejoice in the Lord? Always. Always. That means mountaintop or valley. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And this is a significant phrase, because the Lord is at hand doesn't mean that he's coming soon. It means he's at hand. He's already here. He's with you today. He's with your family today. You just need to understand that and begin to practice that Christ consciousness that he has never left you, he has never forsaken you, he is right there with you in your house today, and he understands perfectly your situation, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and yes, even financially. So Paul says we can rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. He's right there with you. He's right there with you. Then he goes on. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This same writer the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Colossae, he said to them, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that's a curious statement because there's something inferred here that we need to understand. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And that infers that there's things that we can do that impede the, Christ, the peace of Christ from ruling in our heart. We can make a choice. Well, am I going to let the peace of Christ rule? Or am I going to let the fear of the moment rule? To apprehend that peace of God which passes understanding, you must understand that there's a part for you to play. This, my friend, doesn't happen by osmosis, it doesn't happen by sleeping with your Bible under your pillow. It doesn't happen by playing worship music all day long. Those things may be fine and good, but, but there, is some, there are some active steps that this passage is calling us to take with an end result of the peace that passes understanding. My dear Oswald Chambers wrote, and I found that this week in one of his devotionals, what is it that binds me today? Is there a strange God ruling in my heart? Not a disgusting monster, but a disposition that rules me. Could not fear be a ruling disposition in our heart? Especially if we are zigging and zagging and bobbing and weaving and doing what we're doing and not doing what we're not doing because we feel some kind of icy hand around our throat? What are the necessary steps to apprehending the peace of God that passes understanding? Well, first thing is, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, or do not be anxious about anything. The first thing we need to do is confess that we are anxious. When that fear fills our hearts, and my brothers and sisters, you're not the lone ranger in this. I too wonder what's ahead for my family, for my wife, for my children, for my grandchildren, for my church, for my community, for this nation. And if I get my eyes off of Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of my faith, I find that I too can start wringing my hands and walk around little tight circles wondering what's next. But well, what I need to do is when anxiety and fear begins to fill my heart, I need to take it to Jesus. And I need to confess it. "Lord, your word tells me at least 58 times, "You fear not." This passage is calling me to be anxious for nothing, and father today, I just want to confess. I'm scared spitless. I'm scared for myself. I'm scared for my family. I'm scared for my friends. I'm scared for my church. I'm scared for my town and my nation. And dear God, I know what your word says. And therefore I come and I confess, dear God, I'm afraid. And here's what I'm afraid of. And I lay it on your doorstep, Lord. I lay it out on your doorstep. And then the Bible says to pray about it. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication isn't a, isn't a word we use a lot in our vocabulary and as we talk to each other, but it simply means petitions. Once we've identified the problem and we've confessed to the Lord that fear and anxiety has gripped our beings... We then begin to pray that God would, according to his word. And we remind God of his word. You know, I love to hear people pray the scriptures. Just praying the scriptures back to God in a reminder of, Lord, this is your promise, and I I want to apprehend this. Lord, this is your promise of care for my, my, my family. I want to apprehend this. This is your promise of provision, dear God. You've said that... You'll give us this day our daily bread. And daily bread here doesn't just mean food. It means God's supply. What you and I need. And God still understands what you and I need in this hour as much as all the hours that preceded it. This is the place that we're called to evoke what I call Faith's equal time law. Pay attention here. Faith's equal time law. Spend as much time praying about a problem as you do worrying about the problem. And That's how we fight this thing. As it comes, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we supplicate. And we lay these things before God. And then the next part seems kind of quirky in the midst of all this. He says, to make these petitions with a heart of thanksgiving. Thanking God that he truly does love you. Thanking God that he, at this very moment, has your best interest at heart. One of my favorite passages is from the third chapter of Colossians. It says, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And the picture that comes to my mind is, there's me. There's me wrapped in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And then I'm wrapped in the great sovereign plan of God. And if that is true, which I believe it is, then nothing can enter that fence that is around me of Christ and his Father without his permission whether that be the mountaintop experiences of my life or it may be the valley experiences. But he is with me. He understands. And he only allows those things into our lives that will strengthen us and mature us, cause us to grow up spiritually, and ultimately bring him glory. This is the faith that filled the heart of the Apostle Paul when he said, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Just three steps here, pretty easy. But what's the result of this spiritual exercise and the peace of God? which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great statement? What does he mean that passes understanding? You know, there have been times in my life when I've been going through some kind of trial or tribulation where I've gone and practiced this this formula that I've just given you, and all of a sudden, it's like I'm a spectator of my own life. Nothing has changed. It's still the same scenario, but there is such an uncanny peace that it's like I'm watching my own life unfold from the bleachers. It doesn't make any sense. Because like I said many times, in 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 the short term, nothing has changed except a heart that is now resting. God. A heart that is now resting. And he says, not only will this peace guard our hearts, but also our minds. And boy, isn't that the playground of all of our fears? Isn't that where the devil wants to attack the most? We see at the end of this passage that filled with fear and jealousy, the leaders of Jerusalem would, before the week is out, murder this donkey-riding king whose only intention was to gather his people under his wings as a hen gathers her chicks. They also didn't know that they were playing into the hand of God and that his plan to redeem the world from sin, hell, and the devil would be fulfilled through their murderous plots. About this king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey that day, Isaiah wrote this. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see, the crucifixion and burial of this donkey-riding king was not the end of the story. In fact, in one place, Paul says, if the rulers of this world had understood God's whole plan, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because once they put him in the tomb and they thought they were rid of this meddlesome carpenter from Nazareth, three days later, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings, came out of the grave victorious over sin victorious over death victorious over hell an offering to those who would believe on him the gift of salvation the gift of hope the gift of comfort if they would but come come to me you who are weary and heavy laden and along with the deal Prince of Peace now offers the gift of peace—peace that passes understanding—in those arenas where sin would want to reign. Peace that passes understanding in the times of crisis and confusion. Will you receive His offering today? He offers it to you through faith in what Easter's all about, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the sins of the world. But also, as we've read from Isaiah, to bear the burdens that weigh us down. He went to the cross for me. He went to the cross. In closing this morning, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to Psalm 91. There have been times in my life that have been times of incredible crisis, trial, trouble, tribulation. One time in my life, a situation arose that I was fearing for my life. I was fearing for the safety of my family. I was fearing for the safety of the church that I was pastoring. Because an evil man had come into our midst who had an evil past and was not beyond doing evil things. That's one of those days that icy hand went like this. I could hardly breathe. And as I went to God's Word seeking solace and comfort and protection, where He took me was Psalm 91. And through that crisis, every day, sometimes a half a dozen times a day, I read Psalm 91. And soon, the crisis passed. Within the last couple of years, I've returned to this psalm again on a daily basis, sometimes several times a day, in various crises that have come into my life or the life of my family. And I want to give this as a gift to you a passage of scripture that I have found comfort in hundreds of times and still do at this very moment. And I would like to give it to you, to take with you along with what we have just read out of Philippians. And may this be something that you can read together as a family, you can read together with your friends, you can can exhort one another with these words. Psalm 91, verse 1. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed, be allowed to befall you, and no plague come near your tent, for He will give His angels, for He will command His angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And he will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. My dear friends, my dear friends, as John said, fear not, O daughter of Zion, your king is coming. This king is coming in peace today. He's coming with hands outstretched and saying, come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden. He comes to protect. He comes to comfort. He comes to replace the fear in your heart with his peace that passes understanding. Oh, may you reach out and in faith today receive this promise of God in this hour. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the promises that fill your word. I thank you that there's something in your word for every mood of our life. There are psalms of joy. There are psalms to dance to and to sing to. There are songs that remind us that you are a shepherd who is not only with us and causes us to lie down in green pastures beside still waters. You're also the Father who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And Father, I pray for those who are under the sound of my voice today, especially those gripped by fear in this hour. I pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you would speak to their hearts, you would draw them to yourself and you would show them that you have remedies if they would trust in you and move and act in the manner that you call that they may be established peace. So may the peace of God rest on these dear ones today in Jesus' name. Was joining.